Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting-edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Why do so many businesses struggle while others seem to explode overnight? Do you wish you had the secret to this type of exponential growth? Now, I've scaled more than 20 businesses to over $100 million, and it's not just luck. In my new book with Mark Tim, Mentor to Millions, you'll learn the repeatable framework I use in all my business ventures for massive success. Order at KevinMentor.com and get over $1,000 in bonuses. Head to KevinMentor.com. Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast. This is your co-host, Seth Green. Today, I have the good fortune to be interviewing Dr. Fern Caslow. For more than 35 years, Dr. K has shown high-performing entrepreneurs, CEOs, and professionals globally how to move past obstacles and take both the small and massive actions necessary to reach new heights. She's been interviewed uh, and featured in the media like ABC News, New York Times, New York Magazine, Dr. Joyce Brothers, Special Natural Health and Working Mother, among many, many others. And she's worked with quite a number of our friends and shared this stage with them. Dr. K, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for the invitation. I'm excited to be here. All right, so let's go back in time. You've been doing this a while. How'd you get started? <laughs> Uh, well, actually, I got started a really long time ago. I was a kid, and as many entrepreneurs that I've worked with, high achievers that I've worked with or I'm interviewing for my book, we got started really young. And so I was this, if you can picture it, little kid in the second grade, and I had a teacher that she wasn't the best. And we had a little girl in the class, in the time that you used to call people, I hate to even say it, we used to call kids retarded and low IQ. And so I've always been interested, whether it was high performers or anybody else, that everybody operates to peak potential. And so this little girl was kind of sad and was pretty much ignored because the teacher didn't think she had much, much potential. So little big mouth, lucky I wasn't a boy because this teacher was known to hit the boys. I went up to this teacher and I said, you can't treat her that way. And she kind of did what you did, except the daggers came out of her eyeballs. And she said, excuse me, I said, you can't treat her that way. You're not helping her. And she said to me, do you think you could do a better job? And in my little self, I said, yes. She said, well, then she's yours. She said, from now on, you do your work. And as soon as you're done, you go help her. And I said, great, I'm bored anyway. I mean, like, oh my God, did I have a mouth? Um, and so I helped her. But then the school started sending me other kids as well. And so for the beginning of my work, with peak performance really started not with the high achievers I'm working with today, but with people who were challenging in a very different way because they were written off. They didn't have people that were you know, cheering them on most often and helping them to reach peak performance was pretty challenging. So it started and then it just really moved into a psychoeducational practice, a psychotherapy practice. And in my psychotherapy practice, I had high achievers, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of professionals who had come to me because they were anxious and depressed because you guessed it, their business was in trouble. So they had tried so many things and wasn't working because it's an inner game and an outer game. 
Absolutely. So I am sure the longer version is probably in more than one book. How did you go from an unpaid employee of a school district out of the goodness of your heart to what you're doing now? Well, by 14, I was no longer unpaid. Uh, the school is now and the teachers were referring kids to me. Um, but I did move into, I spent a time in education, teaching teachers, um, consulting to school districts and hospitals, and then moved into my own private practice, did a lot of work in mind-body health when it was pretty much voodoo, really voodoo. And that's where I started having high performers in my practice who were struggling. And so that's really, I love to market, which is not usual for a therapist. So I saw that they were only getting so far when they were working with marketers, with PR people, with all this kind of stuff. And they were only working so for, getting so far if they just did therapy. So I started a whole other business. I still have a clinical practice, but I started a business that was about business, marketing strategy, and personal development. So I brought together psychology, peak performance, and business so that they could really be all they could be. And the business would continue to grow and they would grow in the business and they could soar. That is absolutely incredible. So what are, I mean, you have um, shared the stage with folks that have been uh, guests or clients or friends of ours, like Brendan Burchard and Joe Polish and Kevin Nations. Talk a little bit about what are some of the most common mistakes peak performers are making that is causing them to have these types of issues? Okay, so let me say first the thing they do that's really cool, that's really good. And then let me share how that trips them up. So what they do that's really cool is that they take obstacles and they just keep on going. Okay, every obstacle is a challenge. It's a mountain. They'd be bored without it. It's a really good thing, except how they do it. They also look at every gap, like every space between where they are and where they want to be as just a challenge, something that propels them. They don't look at it and say, oh my God, I'm not there yet. They go, oh my God, look what I have to do. Look where I have to go. So that's the good thing. But the place that people get tripped up is what I call the resistance paradox. So peak performers, top one percenters, uh, people like you've mentioned, and when I talk about it, they usually raise their hand and say, yeah, that's me, I get it. So what they do is they have a psychology, a way of thinking, being and acting that gets them to a certain point. It's that barreling through everything, but then it gets them stuck. And either they're stuck from going even bigger or it starts to have a cost. Their relationships, their health, just their joy and sense of well-being. And high performers are better than anybody else at resisting. And I say, I know, because I'm the resistor in chief. Um, I bet you're pretty good at it too. Um, <laughs> high performers have a special talent. So even when we go to really good coaches, we often, instead of them bringing, them bringing us out, we often get them to go down the rabbit hole with us and we convince them that the limitation is really real or the problem that's superficial is really the problem, but it's only a surface problem. How do you get us to realize that? <laughs> and then I know, don't give away all the secret sauce. And then how do we move past it, move through it, move over it? How does that process work? Okay, well, that's where the fun comes in. Um, maybe I'm a little strange. Actually, I am. Most of us high achievers, we're a little weird. We don't quite have, kind of fit the mold. Um, but what I do is I disarm people. I really disarm people. It's like our armament is there. And we talk all the time. We hear people say self-sabotage and we do all these things. No, people don't usually sabotage with the, on purpose. They are sabotaging. But what they're really trying to do is make something happen that's good in a way that's not so effective. So instead of pe teaching people to barrel through that, just do it. I teach them that they want to get things done. They do want to do that. 
but they need to evolve and grow. And that there's gold, there's diamonds in their resistance. So instead of pushing it down, they wanna look and say, okay, what's the message there? What is it trying to teach me? And what's the better way to do it? And I don't just do it in the mind. I do it in the mind. I do it in the energy field. I hope that doesn't get too old. I do it in the body. So you've got to go all of those. And then I do it as it shows up in their business. So we're really shifting the state of their mind, their body, and their business. Now, you've got so many tools in your toolbox. You've done postdoctoral studies in psychoanalysis, traditional hypnosis, Ericksonian hypnosis, energetic healing, EMDR, EFT. The list goes on and on and on. You are a perpetual learner. What do you find yourself using the most often? I know it varies case to case, but what are some of your favorites? My favorites is listening really, really, really well. That's really my favorite. And I think maybe one of my biggest skills is that I don't care about my favorite. I listen to the one that's going to work for the person. So one of the things that I think people get tripped up on is we have a favorite and then we apply it to other people. And so what I do is I always go in with my tools, my strategy, my, my perspective. I've got my own methodology that comes from all of this. I call it Castle Method. But I go in and I listen. I listen. And what people say to me that's my favorite testimonial or compliment ever is you get me in a way that nobody else does. And that's because I'm not putting my thing on them, but I'm listening. So it's usually an integration of different things. You've always got to take the body in. But some people, you can open the door with meaning. Some people don't want to know what anything means. They just want action or they want to breathe. So I go in with this open slate of all of my tools, and then I really listen, and I see what needs to happen for a particular person. That makes a lot of sense. What are some, you talk about business being a spiritual game, and mm -hmm. the business might be suffering, the business might be the external issue, but it's a really a, a reflection of what's going on internally. What mm -hmm. are some of the most common external issues people are coming to you with? And, and then how do you bridge that gap between, hey, that's what you think is going on. Mm -hmm. Let's figure out what's really going on. Okay. So one of the things I do, and you probably already know this about me, is I'm really careful about telling people how it is. So even though I got my own strong opinions, um, Everything that I say is filtered through, is this going to make them more or less resistant? So I always look at that. And whatever problem a person's bringing is usually real. It's just not the one that's going to change everything. So when you don't try and take it away, when you don't try and belittle them, but you kind of get like on the inside, kind of we have a joke together, right? We're on the same side. So you've got this. I don't try and expose them. I try and build a foundation so that all of a sudden they start to see and we can laugh together about something. You know, usually it's our personal demons that drive us, they make us successful, and then they trip us up. So when you get there, it's very rare that they say, oh, my God, I had no idea. Usually they're like, oh, yeah, that kind of makes sense. And they're at a position where they feel they've got enough of a foundation, enough strength that they can start to move in because you've always got to evolve. And it's very scary because we're really saying to grow. You know, Marshall Goldsmith says, what got you here won't get you there. And what I say is it goes much further. What got you there will now hold you back from getting where you want to go. But that's like a little death. So to me, you're either growing or you're dying in yourself and in your business. And that's scary. So people don't want to die. 
And that's why they hold on to all these things that look to the outside convoluted. So the more I can help them feel the strength and the foundation and create on their terms a path to get there, then the more we're on a roll. But it's always, especially for high achievers, you've got to be on their terms because they've had enough of not fitting in, other people telling them to do it the way that the other people saw it. They need really, it's really about co-creation and collaboration. You've gotten so many accolades and so much media attention and exposure for what you're doing. How have you been able to communicate what you do in a different way so that people realize that it's different as opposed to drowning in a sea of everybody saying the same thing in terms of, oh, I work with high performers and help them do X, Y, and Z? Oh my God, have you asked a really big question? So I started doing it a long time ago when other people weren't doing it, right? So it was really easy back then because although people thought it was crazy, that wasn't the easy part, right? Nobody was talking about it. And over the years, not only did people copy me directly, um, but people, you know, things evolved. So to me, the biggest way is in how I talk to people, how I present, how I communicate. It's not about the exact words because a lot of people are discovering things but it's about the way I listen, the way I move people so that people will say to me, you're the real deal. I know you can move me where I need to go. And that's not about the words. Now, I've got a lot of marketing friends, as you said, and we've had many things about this where they say, you have to give me the words. And I'm like, I know it's about words, but it's really about a transmission that's way beyond the words where they know and they feel and they can tell and I think part of it is when you get to that place of I do, where it's really about wisdom, it's not about information. And I've spent over 100,000 hours. That's like, they say mastery is 10,000 hours. That's like 10 times that, having 10 experts or more doing it. I think like, can you, you can feel it. You've talked to me, you know I'm the real deal. You know I'm not making it up. You know I'm not talking about what somebody else discovered. These are things I really discovered in the trenches, rolling up my sleeves in my own personal life, and in working with, you know, a lot, a lot of people over the years. So it's not about, it is about the words, but it's about, there's just something that happens when you've got a deep experience. People get it. Now you've taken all of this training, all of this experience, this lifetime body of work, and you've put it into, you've codified it into a system that you obviously, that you call the Caslow method. Mm -hmm. What is the Caslow method? So Caslow method is always fun because people always want me to give them a formula. And Caslow method is not a formula, but it is a perspective. It is guideposts. And it comes out of the different therapies that you mentioned, psychoanalysis, hypnosis, even gestalt going back, somatic work, energetic work. And then also a lot of study. I've studied with a lot of the best marketers, right? Um, and again, and even salespeople, all of that communication, persuasion. So what I do is I work with a set of guideposts that are a blueprint for how I move people. And when I, when I do workshops, I teach people how to apply the, guide, the, the guideposts, how to ask certain questions. Like I have litmus test questions. I teach people how to shift their state on the spot. Now I have general ways to do it. I have something that shifts people's state literally in five seconds as long as they're willing. Okay, if you're not willing, forget it. But if you want to, it can do that. But I don't say A, B, C in this order. 
I say, let's start to create. For example, one that a lot of people talk about, but they don't teach you how to embody, 100% responsibility. Now, when I first started talking about that, wow, I got a lot of pushback. Now people are getting it, but getting it and doing it are two different things. So what I do is I have guidelines, I have exercises. I say, if you're this, you might want to start here. If you're this, let's start over here. So it's a blueprint more than it's a formula. And I teach people how to adapt it. So obviously they're not going to get the same thing as if they're working with me one-on-one -on -one or in a mastermind. But even when I speak, I work through an entire audience and take them through things that shift their state on the spot. That is fantastic. You've achieved so much success and helped so many people. What is, what's your biggest challenge now? My biggest challenge, my biggest challenge now is really, um, this is a very exciting time and a very challenging time. And so there, people are more aware. I can't say more people need what I do, but more people are aware of needing what I do. People need, entrepreneurs need to be really agile. And yet our nervous systems are kind of a wreck, right? Everybody's nervous system. Entrepreneurs have nervous systems that tend to be hyper aroused anyway. Now they're even more aroused. So it's an interesting dance now between people getting it that they need more, but also being more cautious, more scared, more nervous. So they're going for it and they're scared. And so my biggest challenge is how to help even more people than I was before. And my mission really has actually gotten um, clearer. You know how you do something, you do something, and they kind of look at you and say, oh yeah, you've been doing that. So it really comes down to my mission being changing the way high achievers achieve. Because the way they do it now will ultimately stop at a certain point or has a high cost. And this goes all the way back to childhood. So one of the things that I want to do now is not only help those top 1% that I work with and the people that are on their way to be, um, I want to help them because it's never too late, but I also want to set for a new paradigm where we really learn to change the way we go after achievement and success so that we can continue to evolve and develop and grow in a way that nurtures us instead of ends up really hurting us over time. That makes a lot of sense. I know it hasn't always been a straight upward growth curve. You've experienced your own ups and downs in the world of business over the few, over the decades you've been doing this. What have been some of the adversities you had to overcome? And most importantly, what'd you learn? Okay, well, I want to tell you one of the biggest. Um, I had an accident a number of years ago. And when I got hurt, I actually, um, I, I ended up with, I've had 15 surgeries. I ended up with eight of them after my accident. And people wanted, people were very uncomfortable with what happened and they wanted to put it in a box. And I had actually slipped on an icy speed bump and I really broke my body, my hip, my pelvis, my elbow, my shoulder. I was a, I was a mess. And um, people wanted to put it in a box. And they all said to me, well, you know, God must be telling you to slow up because you fall on a speed bump. I said, they don't call it a slow up bump. They call it a speed bump. Maybe I'm being told to go faster. But what I really knew was that it would take a long time before I really knew what it was about. And over the years, I got another piece and another piece, and they're all valid. But down the road, a number of years, and it was a big deal. I didn't walk for a few years, except a little tiny bit. My arm was like this for four years. It was, it was pretty intense. 
But, you know, big teachers, big lessons. Some of us take a little bit more before it gets through to us. So I was really not only queen of resistance, you know, I was like the resistor in chief. I was the, I knew how to barrel through. I knew how to just do it. I'd had a lot of life challenges. I almost died a bunch of times. I knew how to just keep going. What I didn't really get, I didn't understand stuck. When people said they were stuck, it was like, just do it, right? Therapist or no, just do it. After I got hurt, it was years before all of a sudden I started to understand that the resistance paradox and the cost of the way, I mean, funny story, not so funny. After I got hurt, I was lying. They, they transported me to a trauma center. I'm lying in the hallway on the gurney, delirious with all the drugs they gave me. And any doctor or nurse who would come and talk to me, I'm talking to them about how I'm going to use this to grow me and grow the people I work with. Now, the interesting thing is I thought that was a great thing. And then I realized that high achieving entrepreneurs use our obstacles that we've pushed through as a badge of card, not a badge of honor. And it's not such a great honor. It was great that I could do that. It wasn't great that I didn't really heal the trauma, release the trauma, integrate the trauma. And that's the place that people get stuck. We push through our demons, we use them, we help the world, which is awesome. But we could help the world more and have the true freedom and connection we want if we would also integrate the trauma, release it, learn to work with our nervous systems, learn to work with change in a more user-friendly manner. So that was the biggest thing that I learned was that all of these things that had helped me to succeed had a cost. And it was funny because my father always used to say, he was a hard character. And he used to say, the way you're working, you're going to get burned out. You're going to get sick. And I used to say, you know, yeah, right. It's like, it's working for me. It wasn't until later that I started to understand the deeper costs. I never got burned out, but I did. It made my healing more difficult. I didn't think so at the time. And it just, it just had these other issues that were keeping me from going where I'm going now. So that's the biggest learning is you want to use the obstacles, but you also want to heal them, integrate them and release the trauma and learn to, to regulate your nervous system and deal with resistance in a different way. That is absolutely incredible. I know we're running out of time. Your passion is obvious. What do you like best about what you do? Oh man, I walk out of my sessions and I say all the time, I love what I do. And I guess what I love about it is I love to be able to help people create what they want to make a difference in the world. And we do it with fun. We deal with a lot of heavy duty stuff and we're always laughing, right? Like lots of laughter. So to be able to help them transform, to let go of that grip and make a difference, feel free, feel connected, feel fully alive. It just, um, I was gonna, it turns me on. It does. Every day I come out, there have been very few days that I ever walked out or even sessions. I don't, I don't think I ever said, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. I love it. And I know that's like not a thing everybody has. And I'm very blessed by that. But that's what I love, being able to make a difference and make a difference for impactors who can then make a difference out in the world. I like to be on the cutting edge and I try and stay there all the way. That is, a, it's been a blessing to have you on our show. We greatly appreciate you being here. Dr. K, where is the best place for our viewers and our listeners to go to learn more about you? Um, they can go to my website or they can email me and I will um, connect them with some events we're going to do to dive deep or to even talk one-on-one because -on -one, I love to connect. 
uh, with people that this is something that resonates with them. So my, my email is drk at drkazlow.com. And just write in the subject line um, that we're on the show, Sharkpreneur, and I'm interested. I want to learn more. Awesome. And I will get back to them personally. Thank you so much. This has been Seth Green with Dr. Fern Caslow. Check her out at drcaslow.com or shoot her an email at drk at drcaslow.com. Dr. K, thank you so much. This has been great. Thank you so much. I appreciate Thank you everybody for watching or listening. We'll talk to you or see you next time. Do you need money to fund your idea, product, or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free perfect pitch cheat sheet. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.